Greetings, happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show, otherwise known as the rightful owner of the number seven spot on the New York Times bestseller list. Not Greta Thunberg, who sold 148% fewer books. Now I'm starting to sound like Donald Trump talking about Ron DeSantis' vote total. <laughs> Except this is legit. <laughs> and I'm only slightly less bitter. Uh, anyway, heading into the weekend, Steve Dacer alongside Totters and Aaron McIntyre, Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage will be joining us here momentarily for the day script. Don't forget, next hour, we will get to your feedback, uh, your responses to us. Looking forward to that. But let's begin, as we always do, with your weekly look at the week that was. That's right. It is time for the day screw brought to you by my Patriot supply. If you are looking at what's going on in the world and thinking, Oh snap, you would be correct. So get a hold of our friends over at my Patriot supply folks. We have Nobel prize nominated scientists coming on this show these days, like Dr. Robert Malone suggesting mildly you consider prepping. That's that's where we are these days. Get a hold of our friends at My Patriot Supply. Get their three-month emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even snacks and drinks. You can't beat it. 2,000-plus calories a day stays good for up to 20-plus years with proper storage at My Patriot Supply. This offer won't last forever. It comes with a $200 bonus gift, a $200 bonus gift of survival gear. So you can basically take people out if they try to take your stash of food uh, and free shipping as well. Free shipping as well at mypatriotsupply.com. Once again, that is mypatriotsupply.com. Let's begin your weekly look at the week that was begins as it always does with issue one bleep. Lord Nefarious says. I have a master's degree because when I got certified, I was told I had to have a master's degree to be an Arizona certified teacher. We all have advanced degrees. What do the parents have? Are we vetting the backgrounds of our parents? Are we allowing the parents to choose the curriculum and the books that our children are going to read? I think that it's a mistake. I'm just speaking from the heart. The one line that I love is, uh, we must remember that the purpose of public education is not to teach only what parents want their children to be taught. It is to teach them what society needs them to be taught. So this is how we chose our beautiful egg donor. Um, So we wanted her to have lovely big eyes. I wanted her to have really thick hair because I've had two hair transplants. (laughs) I wanted her to have a really wide, nice smile and just look like a kind person. I think that um, it's a little bit controversial, the mandate, because some people, they feel uh, they're reactive and stronger to the mandate, but also on the other hand, it works. Uh, and uh, many countries now are seeing so big. Uh, I was, for example, speaking with uh, uh, the Greek Prime Minister the other days, and he told me that they put a, a mandate. Actually, they put mandate if you don't, get vaccinated and you are above 60 years old, 100 euros per month penalty. It's a fine. It's a like, fine. That's how like it Delta works. Airlines. Well, I'm going to try to help explain to the American people that defeating the Russians in Ukraine 
is the single most important event going on in the world right now. And to deliver much needed humanitarian assistance as well as food, water, medicine, shelter, and other aid to Ukrainians displaced by Russia's war, and provide aid for those seeking refuge in other countries from Ukraine. <clears throat> it's also going to help schools and hospitals open. It's going to allow pensions and social support to be paid to the Ukrainian people so they have something, something in their pocket. I'm not worried about provoking Putin. I'm, I, I want to beat him. Every member of NATO knows it, and Russia knows it as well. An attack against one is attack against all. It's a sacred oath. I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Jill, as the lady, you get to go first. First question is for you. What did you just see that came the closest to making you want to puke? Uh, Well, all of it. And all of it really feels like it's right out of the Hunger Games, right? The teacher at the very beginning just saying, oh, we are so advanced. We have advanced degrees. What do the parents have? You lowly peasants, why don't you stay out there in District 13, not here in the Capitol? Going through each, each different segment there that Aaron had, every single one of them is very clearly defined as the elite's versus the peasants. But to me, the worst part about it was when Joe Biden got up there and said, hey, we're going to have humanitarian aid. We're going to have water, shelter, everything going out there for the people of not Ohio, but Ukraine. To me, that is the biggest insult. The fact that he would come out and say that we were going to go out and do all of these things for another country, but not look at the problem here at home. And finally, Pete Buttigieg is addressing it here this week, only after forcing his hand by Donald Trump showing up there first. So when you look at Mitch McConnell saying, oh, we are going to go through and we are going to supply all this money to the people of Ukraine, we're on the one year anniversary now of Ukraine. And I am sick and tired of it. The fact that this is still going on, the fact that we are still having our elected officials, they're not embarrassed yet to still be out there wearing the the blue and yellow ties going out there and saying, yes, we will do more for Ukraine. Come on, you guys. It's been a year. Give it up. Indeed. Todd, your thoughts. Pete Buttigieg once again coming from behind. (laughs) It's just, there's there's no hope. (laughs) Why did that make me laugh? I have no idea. (laughs) There's um, no hope. <laughs> oh, the no hope part is yeah. what made you laugh. <laughs> That's great. It was the no hope part that made me laugh. Are you 70? I mean, that's incredible. Maybe. Maybe. I've heard of old souls, and then there is Aaron. Anyway, Todd, talk. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, um- I have such a level for the of loathing. It's just off the charts for the secular Gnosticism of that teacher. I'm I'm an expert, and you're not. Uh, it's it's so it's so ridiculous. Any any healthy culture, and not even like a not even a fundamentally Christian culture, should just anybody talks to you like that. I mean you. Even under the best of days, you teachers, you're not, you're not experts. 
you teach math, you teach social studies. You're not, you're not experts at anything. It's so preposterous. And there's just this chattering class of, oh, we're such good people. They work so hard and they've got the hardest job. No, you don't. It's all been stupid. It's always been a lie. And it's worth an effort. But still, somehow that's not my worst of the week. Worst. <laughs> the worst. Even better. Is the horse doctor. That's great. The horse doctor. We're only 10 minutes into no. this. Go ahead. No. I'm sorry. Just, you can go home. What do you just, have in that? Cup? I got things. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've got some sounds like I got some scores to settle. Just ease yeah. back days. I got this. Go ahead. The, the, the notion out there that common sense, normalcy, whatever, will somehow kick in. You, Forget, forget our aspirations about rise of the Fourth Reich and holding people accountable, like COVID, like notions of once in a century flood or something like that. Look what he's talking about. Just I was just talking about the uh, Prime Minister of Greece fines. Okay, you say, oh, that's Greece. Here in America, here's how we're moving on. I just saw within the last forty-eight hours, uh, Justin Hart, our friend Justin Hart, uh, banned on LinkedIn. Because he's uh, still too controversial on COVID. Even though everything we've learned just this last week, natural immunity better, masks didn't work. He just now got kicked off LinkedIn. The Florida Department of Health just got whacked by Facebook. And oh, by the way, and this isn't the only university, this has nothing to for do with- For reporting their own data? For reporting their own data. So trust the experts except Florida. And then this has nothing to do with it, the fact that it's the the block M uh, or the Wolverines and attached to Steve, but it's just it's happened to others. University of Michigan, if you're going to be a student there, you've got to be fully jabbed and fully boosted. Still, so if you think that th- we're mo- going back to normal, a- again, you're dumber than that stupid teacher that I just got done talking about. Because you're you're believing in an even more foolhardy level of expertise. Nothing they told us about this pandemic was honest or worked. And you, you, you're really going to think, they're saying it out loud. They're still going to play it back. Every chance they get, they're going to play it back. Aaron, good luck following that. Yeah. Uh, uh, did we ever really truly move on from late March, early April of 2020? Trust the experts. I was assured it was only going to last for 15 days. Trust the experts, but which one? How many times did we echo that three years ago? How many times did we do do that? But it it has to be, for me, it has to be the the teacher. You know, I didn't intend to do this, but the first clip is how you get the last one. The first clip is how you get the last one. The first clip is the woman who thinks that, let's just be honest here, People like that are rife in your school boards, and some teachers are like that as well. And Todd, you would have more expertise with this. Maybe it's a majority of teachers. I don't know. I'm not going to paint all teachers like that, but there's too many of them. Let's just say that, whatever the number is. They think parents are mentally disabled yokels who could not throw a round peg into a sinkhole if they were dropped into it. That's the level of contempt they have for you. Meanwhile, they're turning you and turning your kids into that absolute space cadet from Georgia, who is just completely tweaking out on CNN and MSNBC. 
earlier this week. That's not even an exaggeration. No. no. I mean, it's it's just or she Or she's like bugged out know, levels of demonic. Have you seen yeah, her Instagram page? Yeah, she's a, she's a wick. I mean, yeah. she's a pagan. I yeah. Mean, just, this, you want to know how you get reigns of terror. You make it personal to the peasants. That's what that woman was doing. Mm-hmm. That's what she was doing. And that's the, that's the road we're careening towards. It's, it's, it's one thing if you can hide your contempt behind closed doors. But when it's out in the open and public like that, can't set or can't hold for too much longer Preach. after that. Forgive me, I, I still sometimes see things through the prism of political campaigns as a recovering flack in another life. When that chick started showing up, that jury foreman, as Aaron mentioned, tweaked out on national TV, I'm somewhere DeSantis's 2024 campaign is like, son of a bitch, Trump. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, can, why, can we get enemies like this? Can we, Has anybody ever been more gifted by their enemies than Donald J. Trump is, has been? I mean, it is, it is unbelievable how much of a gift his enemies are to him. Whatever credibility that case had in Georgia, which wasn't much to begin with, it's totally shot now. I mean, it's, it's absolutely, totally shot now, which means the jury down there will probably still convict him. But I mean, on appeal, it will be completely blown up. But you know, if I was on the DeSantis campaign, I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? Can they serve that up to us, please, on CNN, please? Anyway, let's get to the exit question. On a scale of one to 10, with one being how much Lindsey Graham cares about risking the lives of your sons in needless wars. And 10 being how much Lindsey Graham, see, Jill doesn't even know what's coming. She's already laughing. She doesn't even know what's coming. She just knows something is. She just knows. She's anticipating. I'm just happy Lindsey Graham jokes are back and allowed on the show again. Yes. Yeah, it's an anticipatory glee that you see there from Jill. So let's start over. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being how much Lindsey Graham cares about risking the lives of your sons in needless wars, and 10 being how much Lindsey Graham wants to engage in risky business with your sons. Rank this week's level of total depravity, Todd. Um, Jill? Uh, based on our conversation so far, 10. Aaron? See, I, I always read the rundown that you send out. I always skip this part, though. So you're surprised? I'm always surprised. It's yes. a 10. Did, you, did it live up to uh, your advanced billing? Jill, did you like that one? Ha- happy that I don't currently have any sons so yeah. far for that, uh, for that part particularly. Yes. You don't want to have your indeed. Your sons are screwed with Lindsey Graham, either way. So, issue two: What is the benign, innocent explanation for this? New data from the New Zealand government, compiled by a very good follow on Substack called PharmaFiles, breaks down COVID deaths by vaccination status for last year. That data shows that in the year 2022, if you were over the age of 90 years old in New Zealand, were jabbed and boosted, you were dying of COVID at more than nine times the rate of the unjabbed. If you were 0 to 59 years old, you were dying at three times the rate of the unjabbed. 60 to 69, five times more. 70 to 79, seven times more. 
and 80 to 89, 8.6 times more. Meanwhile, in Australia, new excess death figures are out through the end of 2022. For those of you watching, as you can see in this graphic, excess deaths in 2022 are off the charts compared to the years 2021 and 2020. Meanwhile, in the U.S., NBC News published this story late last week, extolling the virtues of natural immunity to COVID. Immunity acquired from a COVID infection is as protective as vaccination against severe illness and death study finds. This week, the New York Times published an expose in its op-ed section, absolutely lambasting public health authorities for their insistence that masks work to stop the spread of COVID-19. And yet there are still schools masking toddlers and universities still requiring boosters to attend. So let's get to it. I'll ask the question again. Todd, this time starting with you. What is the benign, innocent explanation for this? Well, it's me, so of course there's none. Listen, Australia and New Zealand are the flip side of Sweden. You you lock everything down for as long as they did, and they did it about as long as anybody who's a, at least a Western democracy. And you, the ecosystem that you, that they ultimately messed with in terms of the uh, individual ability uh, to gain uh, natural immunity, but also the collective uh, ability that the, the, it, it doesn't, it, it is different for every virus, but with this virus, and we knew again from the beginning after Italy, who this hit elderly, young, who, who it didn't, but the, Kids getting this, being having less symptoms than the flu, basically symptoms of a common cold, knocking the virus down, defeating it, protecting the old. None of that happened. You treated everybody the same. And therefore, it, it, you, you artificially pushed things off. You didn't allow it organically. Like if you would have just kept things wide open, it would have ended up 10 times better. But you didn't let it go through the population uh, naturally. Then you vaxxed everybody, which also knocks down everybody's natural immunity. And now you are getting things, it's worse now in the place where that, and that's why that witch, Ardern, left. It is worse than all the things she, I, I, remember? Yeah, I'm the only source of news. You can only get news from us. That's how it is. It, that little tyrant, in the name of keeping people safe, is directly responsible for killing more people than this virus in New Zealand. The same is true in Australia. This is what I, the magical power of vaccines just simply refuses to acknowledge what is undeniable scientific reality, and you don't need to be an anti-vaxxer to see it. Jill. Yeah, that bar graph of excess deaths in 2022, what's it going to look like in 2023 and 2024 if this continues? In Australia, they go through and advise that somebody should be boosted every six months. They call it the winter and the summer boosters, and they want everybody to have that updated latest shot that they can go get in their arm. 
with with knowing what it does now, again, wh what are those numbers going to look like and how long is it going to be before people wake up and realize this? If we didn't have independent journalists and if they were successful in locking this information down for 75 years, like they tried to do, how long would it have taken for people to actually start catching on to mm -hmm. this? The, mm -hmm. the fact that they are able to go through and say, no, this is still for your health, for your safety. And even though we saw what came out with M uh, NBC this week in the news saying, natural immunity, just as good, if not better. The New York Times saying mass mandates never worked in the first place. The CD still, CDC still has the audacity this week to put this out in a tweet. The CDC study finds that people aged 12 years and older who got an updated COVID-19 vaccine were less likely to get infected or die from COVID-19 compared to those who did not get the updated COVID-19 vaccine. We saw on that graphic already, the very first one that Aaron put up, the numbers from Australia, they can't be that far off from the numbers in the United States. We know that is a bold face lie to us. And, you know, bless the countries that have stopped advising their citizens to go get a jab. But as long as we have the University of Michigan and others and, and other workplace environments that are still saying, hey, you know what, we'd still prefer you to go out there and, and get that jab, get that booster. What are we doing as a country right now to say, the excess deaths are higher in 2022 than they were in 2020 or 2021, but no big deal. It's fine. It shows you the government does not care about you and your well-being. It's the it's the same thing that we see in Ohio this week, where they look at Ukraine instead of Ohio. The government does not care about your well-being. You're going to have to take that into your own hands and make sure that you and your family are as protected as you can be on your own. Amen, Aaron. Uruguay, 80% fully vaccinated, over half, over uh, a slight majority of the country, boosted. They are sitting at an excess death number as high as at any point in the entire pandemic right now. Meanwhile, neighboring Paraguay, with half the vaccination rate, has seen its excess deaths absolutely plummet here in the last few months. What's the innocent, benign explanation for that? There is not one, of course, the I won't I don't want to say least evil because it is very, very evil. But in on the scale of uh, Machia, on the scale on, on the scale of of just nefarious one world government depopulation scheme being pulled off in front of our eyes. That's on one end of the scale. On the other end of the scale is just good old fashioned uh, greed, corporate greed. I remember was it Monday of this week or last week? Ask Dace anything. You were asked, what do I say to somebody who tells me that pharma companies wouldn't kill their own customers? And without skipping a beat, what did you say? You're not their customer. Governments are. Governments are. You yeah. heard that in Albert Burla's clip yeah. in the last segment. To me, that's, that's incredibly, incredibly evil. But... At least it's not a depopulation scheme. It's at least we're killing you. We're we're killing you because got to meet you know our uh, shareholders' uh, expectations this quarter. Sorry, I know that's not a whole lot better because it's not. But that's about the only thing I can think of. The other answer, the other answers we've been talking about. Well, that's that requires something else. Like I don't know, a 
a Nuremberg, even 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 if it is just Pfizer trying to meet their uh, their quarterly uh, targets, that requires a another Nuremberg. But there are no innocent explanations for this. You know what would be fascinating? Maybe I should do this myself sometime. African countries, see if they keep data on excess deaths. A lot of those countries uh, who were not in the, let's say, the developed world didn't get the jabs. I'd like to see what their excess numbers are. When we talk about a critical mass, what will it take? So I've mentioned before, less than 15% of American adults didn't take a single dose of the gene juice. However, the latest rounds of boosters have plummeted into the low single digits. No one's getting the boosters, on the other hand. So it's clear that the message has gone out. Do we need to maybe recalibrate when a critical mass will occur? Maybe the true test will be those that got the message this time and didn't keep up with the scheme and, and, and didn't want to worry about getting censored or looking crazy or like a dreaded anti-vaxxer. And so the, clearly hundreds, a, a couple hundred million Americans have been talking about this amongst themselves when you look at these numbers, right? Clearly. Yeah. That's gone on. Okay. So is the true test maybe what happens if and when they try to do this again? Did the people who learn their lesson over time and refuse to continue with the booster campaign, which is now nearly everybody in America, when they roll out the next round of these that they attempt to impose, maybe the true test of the critical mass will be, will the people then say, ah, hell no. See where I'm going with this? Yeah. Because they did get, the, we, the people did get the message. The things, the work that people like Justin Hart or myself or Daniel or Dr. Malone and so many people, that, that eventually did resonate, okay? At least with, the, with some of those people to produce those numbers. So is the true test maybe when they try this again, Todd? No, that's too late. Uh, you'll recall when we just had Riley Gaines on and I, I mentioned that she has mentioned before that uh, it was really nice to get a lot of people saying they supported me, but the more and more I people who said that I realized most of them uh weren't really willing to do anything about it the same is true here like they the, the, Jill is right they just don't care about you to the point of uh choosing profit over your actual health if not death and if you're just gonna wait to the next time if your daughter gets raped well I just I'll wait till the next time that's what's happening here you're not going to go after these people? That's the test. Either you punish these people for trying to kill you, or quite frankly, you deserve what's coming to you the next time. Todd what is, do you think? Go ahead, Aaron. Todd is correct. Todd is correct. I fear you're probably right. And I fear that because I don't want to get to the next situation where this is foisted upon us. Because a lot of people were stuffed in nursing homes. A lot of infected people were stuffed in nursing homes. A lot of toddlers were masked. A lot of us were told to go inside. I hope maybe, I hope maybe if the answer to the jab is no, maybe the answer to that other stuff will be hell no as well. But I don't want to find that out. I don't want to go through what we went through to get that answer, if that makes sense. Jill, what do you think? 
Joe Biden's already talking about the next pandemic, so everybody, uh, maybe we will get our chance to see how everyone will react. Steve, I know you just went on Dan Bongino's show. He's one of those guys that's very open about getting the jab the first time around and saying, hell no, mm -hmm. I will not get anything else. That was a huge mistake. I think the voices on our side now realize it. But Steve, you know, just as well as I do, going around, walking around an airport still in this country mm -hmm. the last couple of months, people are still masked up. You can go through and put it in the New York Times where they would theoretically see it. Mask mandates, they don't do anything. They're still gonna mask up. They're still going to jab the next time around if that's what their side says. And you have to remember, their side was against it at first. Kamala Harris said, I'm not getting that Trump shot. Right. Forget that. Right. They, they were against it before they were for it. So are they going to switch now? No, not if, not if it benefits them in some way. So we're almost out of time, but you guys, you guys don't think we would see mass disobedience to another attempt to roll these out after people, you don't think people really did learn their lessons for good. They just maybe lost faith in this particular regimen. Is that what you're saying? We simultaneously have COVID and tranny madness and that teacher lecturing us the way that they do. And yeah, there's pushback right now, but it's not the level of pushback that you would have thought if they would have, if we would have asked you five, six years ago, Steve, if this stuff is thrust in our face, in Americans' face, would they stand for it? We would have all said, oh, come on, we'll never bend over like that. Right. And we bent over again and again and again. I didn't want to talk about Lindsey Graham for a second consecutive issue, but here we are, America. <laughs> Exit question. Hangings or firing squads after a fair trial, of course, Jill. All of the above. Todd. Sign me up. Aaron. Both, but simultaneously, right? Is that possible? Yeah, there is. There's something to me I find romantic almost about a good hanging. Right? I mean, it lasts longer. Um, you have to contemplate what you did to lead to that fate a little bit longer. Um, it's not as gruesome to watch to me, you know? But I'm okay with both. Steve Day Show. It's got a little Jane's Addiction Mountain Song vibe there on that bumper. I like that one. It's good stuff. Yeah, very cool. Back here on the on the Steve Day Show, almost at the Day Show. Almost glossed myself. I think I'd get. Hung up on by Jim Rome if I had done that. I had to stop myself. Tremendous. Right. Yeah, that was not going to be phenomenal. Not phenomenal. No. Uh, back here on the Steve Day Show here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. The recognized owner of the number six bestseller slot, according to the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, which apparently is a newspaper that has a modicum of credibility and a shred of integrity and just simply looks at Lo and behold, which books sold the most to determine who's on the bestseller list? I mean, after all, Todd, it is called a bestseller list. list. So it would seem like we would want to know who did the best job selling books to be on the bestseller list. <laughs> it's adorable. Plucky till the end, Steve Dace. 
but for the second time in my career, uh, making the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, uh, very proud. Not happy, though. They left Daniel's name off of the listing. What? I'm not happy with that. So they just have me and our publisher, and they left Daniel's name off the list. Not happy with that. But we can't always have nice things. So someone does know how to count books sold in America. The Wall Street Journal does. So thank you for that. Honored and appreciated. Uh, And really, the honor goes to you guys. I didn't buy all the books. You guys did. So thank you. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Eden Pure. And now you can purify the air in your home and get healthy, clean, fresh-smelling air that eliminates odors, kills mold and mildew, even bacteria and some viruses with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier. It is filterless, so you won't have to pay out of pocket for filters, nor will you have to replace them in your own time as well. Um, and I've gotten so much positive feedback about this uh, product since they joined up with our show last year. It's been one of the more successful when it comes to people really appreciating what it's done for them in their home. So if you want to take advantage of their three-pack for whole home protection, get all three units for under 200 bucks and free shipping. All three units for under 200 bucks and free shipping. Uh, when you go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the code Steve at checkout, EdenPureDeals.com. Let's welcome back in Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage as we continue on. With your weekly look at the week that was, let's get to issue three. Trump goes to Ohio. While the Washington elites were doing their darndest to stoke World War III, Donald Trump visited the site of perhaps the worst modern ecological disaster in American history in East Palestine, Ohio. I sincerely hope that when your representatives and all of the politicians get here, including Biden, they get back from touring Ukraine that he's got some money left over to the people of East Palestine and to the nearby communities in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Uh, We have told you loud and clear, you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. We stand with you, we pray for you, and we will stay with you in your fight to help answer and the accountability that you deserve. We'll have that accountability. It'll all be out there very clearly. First question. Jill, we'll start with you, because we talked about this a little bit on the show yesterday. So let's get to your take on this. Did this trip reveal what is really the ultimate superpower and strength of Donald Trump as a force of nature in American politics? His willingness to use his power, his platform, his prestige, his own prosperity as a vehicle for... The, the class of American that the elites would, would, would hope um, to be dead or would be perfectly fine leaving them for dead. What do you think? I think that this, when you look at what Trump has done the last couple of weeks, going out and attacking Nikki Haley, saying to the people of South Carolina, I did you a solid. I put her in as ambassador of the UN so she didn't have to be the governor of your state anymore. And then you couple that with a trip to Ohio and showing the people that he actually cares about them. Because Trump, it feels like when he he goes out and does stuff like this, he shows you that he's rich, 
but he's not elite. He's the opposite of the capital at the Hunger Games, right? From, from all that analogy that we were using earlier, he doesn't see you as peasants. He loves when he is out amongst you. He loved the trip to McDonald's and saying, I know this menu better than any of you do. I'll go ahead and get, you know, get an order here, make sure we take care of the firefighters here, all the first responders that are taking care of you. I want to show that I am here for them and that you are not forgotten. This is Trump at his absolute best. When you look at the liberal response, we know that they all were thinking it, but only Joy Behar was dumb enough to actually say it which is a very common phrase, I feel like. The residents, she was saying, got what they deserve because these are the people that voted for Donald Trump. And he was going through and going and having deregulation of all of this in the area. So naturally, if they, if they have a train wreck and they get a chemical spill and it burns in the air, well, that's your own fault. Pete Buttigieg going there only after Donald Trump. He could not have looked more out of place. Well, Donald Trump looked like a complete natural Pete Buttigieg going and having that orange vest and the hard hat on. Guys, there is nothing more that you that you could have done that says, hey, you as a transportation secretary, one, can you name another transportation secretary? But two, looking at him and just, I can't answer any of your questions. And then I'm going to have my press secretary answer some of the questions, but she's not going to be willing to do so on camera. There were so many missteps by the Biden administration, also sending him to Ukraine instead of to Ohio at first, it was an unforced error, but you know, they can only drug Joe up so many times uh, before he gets, you know, tired and needs to rest. So they had to pick their trip and they pick Ukraine over that, which they pick every time with the financial aspect as well, as we said earlier from issue one, where we had Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham and Joe Biden saying all that money, all that effort goes to Ukraine. Donald Trump showed you why he is America first and it, it was just another way of him putting himself back on the best possible stage, which is just him out amongst the people. When I have been talking on this show, Todd, that if I were running his campaign, Ron DeSantis doesn't exist. We don't have to run against him right now. He's governor of the state. Um, I, yeah, I have the spotlight all to myself. None of the rest of these candidates are a serious challenger to me. Um, you and I can agree or disagree about how viable they'll be individually, but I don't think either one of us thinks they are seriously challengers to defeat Trump for the nomination. Do you think that? You think Nikki Haley could beat Trump for the nomination? I don't think it's impossible. What would you say the odds are? Very low. So two, three percent. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm not. I will raise it because we used to think like that before Trump came along. Okay. I, will, I will say ten percent. Okay, so. Still pretty overwhelmingly, no. Yeah. So why obsess yourself with Ron DeSantis? It's all beta. Every time you bring it up, it's just a beta response. Completely own the spotlight. No one can command it right now like you can and own that. Just suck all the oxygen out of the room. This is a living, breathing example of what I was just talking about last week is what he did yesterday or actually Wednesday now in Ohio. It's funny that you think you could run his campaign or anybody. That's the point. Nobody can run it. He, you can't run Donald Trump. He just, this is what, it's really important for everybody. It's just the weather. And especially for DeSantis, who right now is the only one with a reasonable chance. This is going to happen. Let's, it, it happened last time. It's going to happen this time. Let's learn from it. And here, if, if he's going to have these highs again. He's going right in the middle of it. And you know what? Here's how you, here's how you deal with it. 
if you're if you're DeSantis one on one and it's just on you and he's having one of these high moments, like Donald Trump, I wish this was you all the time. If it was, I wouldn't be here. But now we have a proof of concept, and that's the point. For all your highs, there's so many lows, and you don't appear to learn from them. There, there's no one needs to be scared of this. They just need to accept it for what it is. So he's going to say stupid things that drives everybody crazy, and then you deal with that. But when he when he does this again in the middle of the campaign, and he will, you absolutely say, "I'm so proud of you. You did a great job." The problem is. This thing is random. And I shouldn't have to depend on people getting poisoning for you to show up like this. We need you every day at all times for all things. And we can't get it. But otherwise, nobody should be surprised anymore who Donald Trump is, whether you can wield him or not. He just is Donald Trump. Aaron. But Todd, maybe this time. No. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's right, of course. I. Things like this week and him making that contrast painfully visible to everyone. While our elites on both sides, the Uniparty stokes World War, World War III, cheering for it almost. Donald Trump is literally on another continent attempting to stoke World War III. Donald Trump goes to Ohio and pals around and goes to McDon- eats at McDonald's. And talks to these people from rural America who have had their lives destroyed and we still don't have answers on what the extent of the damage is, how long it might be, if they can even safely live there. We don't have those answers. But yet, whether what, whatever his motivations are, I don't care. He shined a light on these people. That's a good thing. And I think and that's so why one of the reasons they hate him the most. And I think that's that. as well. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't think you're. I, yeah, I don't think you're uh, exaggerating at all, because the people who are stoking World War III, as I said, I think yesterday, maybe the day before, I can't remember. The people who are stoking World War III, the McConnells, the Grams, the Bidens, they would gladly call the people from East Palestine. They would gladly call them hillbilly white trash behind closed doors but hey let's say let's pretend world war three breaks out now you're gonna fight for now America, you're don't gonna you? fight for us hey yeah. buddy can we take your uh, sons and daughters the amount of contempt i have for these people and the amount of contempt they have for us yep that's not uh, that's not exactly a healthy relationship and when somebody shows up to actually show some healthy love for these people that's a good thing, and that's, that helps me keep in, per, in perspective when I get frustrated with, with Trump why he is so beloved. It's not for an insignificant reason. No, that, no, I, no, that's very well said there at the end. You bet. And given the way our show operates and how all three of us approach this issue, we would be wise to remember that for sure. Let's get to the exit question. So uh, Mike Pence attacked Ron DeSantis this week. Who's that? I, I don't have a question. I just It's a statement. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah, he attacked him for uh, dropping uh, a, dropping the hammer on Disney. Said that's not limited government conservatism. Oh, my gosh. What? Mike Pence, I mean, at, at this point, he just needs to campaign with a mask. That's probably the last box left to check of soft, wimpy, evangelical stereotypes. Can't stand that guy. Neither can I. Holy cow. Neither can I. And, I mean... It, 
listen, when, when the kids are going to be gone and the wife wants some bow chicka wow wow time, she always warns me, don't watch any, don't, I don't want you talking about watching anything to do with Mike Pence, okay? I need you later tonight. Straight up, that's a rule in her home. <laughs> I just... <laughs> You're gonna have to allow me to drink on this show. <laughs> we have that's a room. what I gave up for Lent. I can't do it. That's that's how oh, I honored celibacy during Lent. I just put Mike Pence on loop everywhere was, I went. I gave it up last Lent. I can't do it two years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to our kicker question. Issue four. If you could send anyone to risk their lives fighting for Ukraine, whom would it be? Aaron. Mitt Romney. Would love that. I'd love to see Willard out there with a green shirt. Sirens are going off, looking for his golf cart. What do we do? What do we do? I'd love that. Todd. Just like 10 seconds ago, I was going to say all the groomers. But you know how bad what you just did to me was that I'm going to change to Mike Pence. (laughs) Uh, I was going to say something. I thought I better not. Jill, go ahead. Oh, you, you actually edited yourself. Congratulations. I, did. I don't do that very often, Jill. And frankly, if, if if a female was not here, I probably wouldn't have. But go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to send the entire IRS. We have 87,000 new agents there you go. that we can go through. And you know what? They have a lot of time on their hands. And, you know, Ukraine, they really need that help right now. So I'm going to go send the IRS over to Ukraine, and they can get to the bottom of it over there. They can fight next to Zelensky's uh, battalion of Nazis, right? There you go. All right, let's get to predictions. Aaron, go. There is no way the conflict in Ukraine ends without Americans getting involved directly. I'm going to save what the uh, therefore is on that, but that is my prediction. I'd rather, I'd rather do some more. Now Todd you know Lindsey Graham jokes. Now you know why maybe I chuckled when Todd said he was without hope. Todd, uh, I predict that just like last year with uh, Save Girl Sports, every single Iowa Democrat is going to vote uh, to proactively keep uh, porn in the schools. Red state, you know. You know. As one does. As one does. As one does. Jill. Robert Malone was on your show yesterday talking about preparedness. So I'm just going to throw out there that myself and Rachel Semmel are eventually going to have a YouTube show where we're talking about canning and preparedness. It's not a thing yet. I haven't even talked to Rachel, but maybe I'm just speaking it into existence. Oh, my gosh. You guys should call it hot cans. What do you think? Oh. I really wasn't even trying that time. Do you have a do- it was, that was complete. That's why I laughed. Do you have a five second? That was completely accidental. Do you have a delay button there? <laughs> it was just, that was not on purpose that time, I promise. Well, it's embedded <laughs> in your subconscious. That's worse. <laughs> why, though? It's the Harry here, Potter game pretty what, fun. Hey, muckety mucks at the blaze. <laughs> Seriously. Please, I apologize, Wade. Wade, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Really, Wh- I didn't. Why? Why isn't that show already in, or like yeah. four of you, why don't we have like the antidote to the view? Why is that not a thing? Just hot chicks canning, doing canned goods with the most based right wing opinions and just like casually dropping them, right? 
Who wouldn't watch that? I'd watch that. Would you watch why, that? Why, why did I? I would, that's why I brought it up. I right, would absolutely like, watch that. Dude, if Tim Pool can get 100,000 people to watch his chicken farm, how many people are watching that? Okay. On YouTube. I'm here to help. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my prediction is a second nefarious trailer is coming and it will absolutely surpass the first one. That's my prediction. Next month. You're going to. I'm going to predict there's going to be a second nefarious trailer that will absolutely surpass the first one. So, Joe, good to see you as always. Sorry. Again, apologize to Wade, and I'm sorry to you as well. (laughs) Hour two, Feedback Friday is next. Back here with Hour 2 here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and y'all. And y'all can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show. Steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also find me on Truth Social, but you got to look hard, okay? (laughs) When I say you can find me, I mean, that's optional. Trust me. All right. Um, and uh, where is that? Oh, yeah. At Real Steve Dace. That's, in fact, I have a hard time finding myself. I can't even remember my own screen name on Truth Social. At Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. And the last name is D E A C E. Like us on Facebook. I just did all that. Uh, you can also, if you are a podcast listener, uh, please leave us a five star review. Hit subscribe or follow on the podcast platform of your choice. Thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. This portion of the show brought to you by Relief Band. It is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with things like motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. So whether you need everyday nausea relief or just an occasional cure from nausea, their patented technology makes feeling sick a thing of the past, just like it names its name says. Relief Band is legitimately a band you wear on your wrist that gives you relief from nausea and can change the intensity depending on how you are feeling to make it stronger or weaker. So that means no more nausea pills that might make you groggy or exhausted. Relief Band 100% drug-free and non-drowsy. And now you can use your health savings accounts and your FSA dollars as well uh, to get Relief Band. So if you want the band that actually works at relieving your nausea, Check out Relief Band right now. We've got an exclusive offer just for you if you want to check it out. Reliefband.com and use the promo code Steve for 20% off plus free shipping. 20% off plus free shipping at Reliefband.com. Promo code Steve at checkout. All right, gentlemen, are we ready for some Feedback Friday? You bet. All right, let us begin here. Where did it go? There it is. Uh, this is from Deborah Petra- P- Pete Angelo. Peter Angelo, I think is what it is. Deborah Peter Angelo. Okay. Deborah writes, My husband watches your show every day, and by default, so do I. 
At first, I thought you were a breath of fresh air, on point, well-spoken, and knowledgeable. But then I started to hear more and more of your religious views, and that's when things took a turn for me. Don't misunderstand me. I consider myself quite religious with my faith to guide me daily, which is why I won't watch your show ever again. Let me explain. First, you speak as if you are the sole authority on faith. Your condescension is irritating at best. Now, I want to take umbrage with that. I'm condescending on every single subject, not just religion. And I just, I, I want to state that for the record. Noted. I am. <laughs> it's like we're doing this like at midnight and everybody's punch drunk, right? Well, it's like cramming for the, a final. The or culture something. is at midnight. The so. culture is, yes, yes. But anyway, I, I resent the idea that I am condescending on religious issues. I am condescending on every issue, for goodness sakes. Okay? I mean, Todd's nickname is Smug. Anyway, uh, you have a pulpit that reaches untold numbers. Humility would be a nice trait to cultivate. Second, I am appalled. Do, do you love the idea, though, of someone claiming they have the ability? to determine your level of condescension than demanding you have humility. Anybody thought about that one? Look at me, guys. I am the model of humility. I love everything about this letter so far. The fact that she actually, you know, didn't, instead of walking away. Yes. Sternly worded letter. Yeah, I I want to make sure the audience understands. I love this note. (laughs) Yes. Uh, That's why we led with it. Second, I'm appalled at your repeated attempts to guide people to watch movies regarding satanic possessions. Why? Uh, Well, it's demonic possessions. Satan is actually going to be in the next one if this one is successful. But for now, we're just going with the JV team. (laughs) See, I told you I'm condescending on everything. All right. Uh, Those of us who know evil exists in the world don't need to see a Hollywood version of it. Those who don't believe won't care. You can laugh at me or call me crazy, but I believe that Satan can garner a foothold on unsuspecting people if they watch this kind of movie. This may sound harsh, but is that your motive? Finally, and perhaps most telling, considering your lectures on faith, is the fact that you make millions from being a talking head, striking fear in the hearts of your listeners on a daily basis. Your alleged net worth comes in at around $13 million. Isn't that more than enough? No? What is enough? $20 million? $50 million? I fully understand that this email will go unanswered if not unread, but a plausible defense would be nice. Again, that's from Deborah Peter Angelo. And frankly, Deborah. Now I'm pissed at you. <laughs> Holding out on Todd and I. Frankly, Deborah, I have to ask yourself, I have to ask if you've truly ever listened to this show, if you think you were going to send me a note like this and it was going to go unanswered. Oh, no. In fact, I was distracted the whole first hour because I could not wait to get to this note. Okay. So. Uh, a, a few months ago, no, actually, this was a few years ago now. Yeah, it was a few years ago. I get this call on a Saturday morning from my mom. All right? Yeah, you guys know I'm a mama's boy. Mom calls me on a Saturday morning, and I'm figuring it's the, it's the classic, you haven't called in a while, what's going on, I want an update on how the kids are doing kind of a thing, right? Mama starts losing her poo, man. Why do you tell me you're worth $13 million? Why do I have to learn this stuff from the internet? I'm about to lose my poo. Why didn't you tell me you're worth $13 million? It's all a ruse. We live in the exact same uh, nice, but, you know, 
um, modest suburban Des Moines home we lived in uh, when we were on local radio and WHO as a means of not letting you know what it is that we have really been storing up all this time. And so my someone had sent my mom a link. There's a website called Celebrity Net Worth, I guess. And it it claims I am worth $13 million. It actually claimed this a few years ago. Folks, our show did not even begin to positively cash flow until 2018. This this show ran a deficit, folks. Deficit. Who was the who was the politician that Rush used to impersonate calling it a deficit who was that do you remember who that was i do not okay but this show ran an operating deficit until 2018 we weren't cash flow positive for seven years it took seven years for this show to be cash flow positive i i was literally a subsidy living off of uh, and scrimping and saving the original investment that uh, some christian businessmen put into me to get this show started, to leave WHO and see what, you know, if we could end up in broader horizons. That was February of 2011. I mean, I was scrimping and saving to make sure that, uh, you know, we were living paycheck to paycheck. So we weren't even cash flow positive until 2018. This show wasn't, it took another year for it to be profitable. So I want to know where my $13 million is as well. Now, the, the idea, though, that automatically, if someone makes a certain amount of money, they don't have any integrity left, they don't have any credibility left, okay. I mean, I, I understand that the love of money is the root of all evil. I agree. You know, um, have you ever tried to go get plane tickets to go do a mission trip in a third world country? Did you guys know you can tell the airline that um, you are going to do a mission trip? You're going to build water wells, um, provide food and healthcare and sustenance for disadvantaged peoples. And they have what they call their do-gooder discount. They reserve a certain amount of seats on every flight so that people that are going to do those good works don't have to pay and can go. They don't do that, actually. No, they, they, they don't. In fact, they charge you full price. And that's a lot of money. Where would where would such money come from, Todd, to afford such things, do you think? Do you think they might it might come from people with money? Probably the most Probably. logical place. You think when churches take up a collection? Do you think they get a collect more of a collection from people with money than they do from people without it? What do you think? think the statistics point in that direction. I think if you got more money, you probably have have more money, I think. I'm not sure how that works. But I do think if you have more money, you might actually have more money. But, okay, I mean, I get it, you know. Uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. I agree. The scriptures say that. So what's I, I would ask you, Deborah, um, what do you think is the amount of money that determines someone is is not lost their soul yet. Is there? Do you know? Is there a place we can Google that? Is there a central place where you can find out if you? Because because I want to make everything up until that point fair. Yes. Like if it's five million a year, let's make four point nine nine million. 
still have, we'll still have a hell of life, but then we don't lose our own souls because it's clear there's a certain dollar threshold that as long as you don't cross it, your integrity remains intact, right? I think you've got some room between where you are now and uh, ESPN and college football. I think that's roughly where it is. Yes, I agree. Um, Here's the truth. I don't care, I'll tell you. I shouldn't, but I will. Last year, I made more money than I've ever made in my career, and it was about $300,000 is what I made last year. Between book royalties, the great thing with Fauci and Bargain is um, it actually made all the other books I had written up until that point more popular, so they sold much better. And then I got a nice lump sum payment um, that was part of the movie deal. I, I mean, we signed this movie deal with Believe Entertainment in December of 2016. It took six years for me to get paid a single dollar from it because the way the contract was written was I got paid a percentage of the budget when the film was finished shooting. So I didn't get paid anything. I didn't get paid a red cent for a, from a movie option for my book until the movie was filmed. So I didn't get anything for six years and I got that money last year. So the previous year I made less than that, but more than I had made the year before because of Fauci and bargain my, my house, because I was living paycheck to paycheck for about 10 years, my house was overdue for a new roof, all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, almost all of the, almost, I mean, almost all of the royalties that I received for Fauci and Bargain went right back into my house. I had to get a new heater or a new furnace, a new central air unit, a new roof, went all right back into my house. Luckily, I hit on two futures bets, Michigan 10 to 1 to win the Rose Bowl or to win the Big Ten and Utah um, 15 to 1 to win the Pac-12. I hit on two of those. So I was able to take my family to Universal Studios on those two bets about this time last year. It was like the end of February when we went. But Last year, I made the most I've ever made, and a lot of that came from a deferment on an amount of money it took me six years to collect on. That There was never any guarantee that I would, right? If we don't ever shoot the movie, if the movie mm-hmm. doesn't finish shooting, I might not get, I might, I might have sold my book for movie rights and gotten nothing out of that, okay? So, but that's what I made last year. I made about 300 grand last year, and that's the most that I have ever made in my career. Is that the amount of money that... And, and speaking engagements too, that's probably where Fauci and Bargain was more lucrative to me than anything else. Is having a number one best-selling book absolutely raised my um, uh, my presence on the speaker circuit. So that was a big part of me making that amount of money last year too. So is is that? Do you think is that the amount of money that um, would cause me to be the kind of fiend? You think that? that Deborah is describing here? I don't know, I'm asking. It is not, but I'm amazed we haven't even got to the part yet where she said you made this movie so people could get possessed by the devil. Well, I was going to get to that. Okay. Yeah. I was going to get to that. I mean... um, Also, can you imagine... Like, she, she knows her husband likes this. I know. It's gonna, he's going to tune you, in. Why won't you he's stop gonna your husband? He's going to start listening to this letter and say, Honey, what did you do? <laughs> I, can I not have nice things? I think it should end with, P.S., I will not allow my husband to watch this again. Seriously, if you believe these things, you don't want him watching this, right? I'm a terrible influence, for goodness sakes. Um, all I can tell you about the movie will cause people to be satanically possessed. 
the devil apparently doesn't agree with that because he has done absolutely everything he can to mess with this film. Just just yesterday, guys. Freaking yesterday, I said to Aaron, hey, you know we all these new Tim Pool listeners? You probably haven't heard or seen the trailer yet. Let's play the trailer, you know, at the top of the show again. It's been a week. Aaron's like, cool. Aaron, what happened? Literally, literally as the friggin' intro music is firing up, what happened? Something that has only happened once before. My, my Mac Mini just decided not to output video to the place that I needed it to output to, and I restarted it and still wouldn't do it, and I finally restarted again about five seconds before the show started, and it worked. The last time we had any technological difficulties at the beginning that, that threatened to stop the show from going off was um, last week on Valentine's Day. What, what, what happened on the show on Valentine's Day? Power outage, gremlins in the system. Yep. That was the day that we, uh, we debuted the trailer for Nefarious. Mm-hmm. We, we gave the public its first look at the movie. And that had like literally never happened before on the show. I mean, so I will say, Deborah, you appear to be much more optimistic about this film's prospects of influencing people to the darkness than the darkness is because they have tried union strikes and, and right to work states literally tried killing my directors. Okay. With COVID pneumonia. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know. My marriage nearly ended. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not, you know, tr- I'm looking both ways before I cross the street right now, Deb. Okay. So can I call you that? Um, so, so will Deborah after Mr. Deborah hears this. <laughs> It's like the whole segment, Deborah. The whole segment. What did you do, Deborah? What did you do? But in all seriousness, no. Even if you're not right in this instance, Deborah, you are right in general. Because the story that you're telling here is not true of me, at least not yet. It could very well be, though. And it has absolutely been true of other people that have set in the position that I'm in or more prominent ones, correct? Yes. Yeah. And so we're kidding and having fun with it. But therefore, by the grace of God, go I. I mean, I I could end up becoming as dark and terrible as the dawn if you give the ring of power to me. I don't disagree with that. And so, you know, I I try to have accountability in my life. I'm sure there have been other men in my position that try to have accountability in their lives too. And for a while they listened to it and then they reached a certain amount of money and status and they just drove right through the barricade, right? And did what they wanted to do, right? Uh, That's a tale as old as time. And I have no issue at all with skepticism where that is concerned. If anything, um, it would be help. You're helping me not be the guy that drives through that barricade one day. However, I absolutely plead guilty to being intellectually arrogant, but I prayed about it. And I feel real good about where I'm at right now. So I'll own that part. Good luck, Mr. Deborah. <laughs> I really wasn't. Yeah, let's just move on. Mr. Deborah is going to have a tough enough night as it is. Have a nice weekend, Mr. Deborah. Have a nice weekend. Um, where's another note that was in my box that I just got? Oh, here's an observation from Casey Mitchell. 
Listen to this. The ancient gods have returned. Baal, god of worldly prosperity. Ishtar, goddess of sex. Moloch, god of child sacrifice. Nature abhors a vacuum. And we have pushed God out and left a vacuum that the old gods are now filling. That is from Casey Mitchell. What are your thoughts on that? Well, obviously, there's nothing new under the sun. It's, it, listen, they, they didn't uh, craft their allure for us because it was four-dimensional chess. It's, it's, it's quite obvious, and it's quite timeless how to break us down mm-hmm. individually. Now, collectively is a different story, and that's why you need to uh, read uh, a nefarious plot because America provided a u- unique challenge in that regard, and we're talking about that in the book study. But individually, yeah, we mean the, the seven deadly sins are what they are. The ten can the Ten Commandments address what they address. You know, it's not, we don't have totally new ones now because people are totally, this is the stuff that breaks us down individually. So why wouldn't it return? What do you think, Aaron? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, yeah. the pride of life. That's that's basically what that is is laying out. And I don't know if you mean like specifically these specific entities are back. I'm not sure if you mean about that. It would not surprise me if that actually is how they exist. But as far as an icon, yeah, no, that's exactly how the devil works. And we've been, of course, reviewing A Nefarious Plot, which is the basis for the movie Nefarious on Thursday for Theology Thursdays. And what will, and I need to, need to, I think we can um, emphasize this again. In A Nefarious Plot, it's very cleverly written. You get a good picture, well, actually, an evil picture, of how much contempt the enemy has for you. That is brought to life in ways I didn't think was possible in the movie. The contempt he has for you. And he does, and he shows his contempt for you, and his contempt for your creator especially, by trying to cause you to to stumble, and by preying on the things that make us unique. And I think um, I, as, as beings created by, by God, and I think uh, what you just described, whether it's the God of sex, the God of, of worldly possessions, what was the other one? The God of uh, oh, uh, Moloch, the God of, yep, child, of sacrifice. child sacrifice. Yeah, no, those are, those are back. Those are back one way or another. I don't really care which way, which way you mean. They are, they are here. And they always, to some degree, have been. But the observation you made of nature abhors a vacuum. Yeah, if you live in a society that has turned its back on God, something is always going to be God. Something is always going to be mm-hmm. God. And so I think that's kind of what you're describing. Isn't this, now that I think about it, I thought I'd heard this, some, uh, this maybe not quite put exactly the same, but something similar to this. I thought I'd heard this before. Isn't this Jonathan, it's Jonathan Kahn, right? The Harbinger guy? Is that who I'm thinking uh, yeah, of? Yeah, I think Isn't so. Isn't this kind of what part of his um, theological theory uh, that turning away from the God of the Bible has opened the door for the old gods to return? 
Is, is that, this a fundy that, nerd thing? I'm not familiar with this guy. Uh, no, I mean, Jonathan Kahn is a, uh, he's written some very popular books in evangelical circles, just talking about prophetic history and how it applies to the moment that we're in okay. right now. The Harbinger, I think, is the one that, I hadn't heard the, of it. the book of his that's probably the uh, sold the most copies. But isn't this his theory, Aaron, that the rejection of the God of the Bible leads to the return of the yeah, old gods? That sounds that sounds right. I can't quite remember well, off the top of my head. It's been uh, Harbinger's a few years old, but yeah, it, that sounds, that rings a bell. It's the oldest war right in civilization right. because and it's never stopped it's it and it'll never end until eternity i mean that's this is the game which side do you end up on hmm. ricky says i went to purchase your book rise of the fourth reich the other day at the northville michigan barnes and noble i saw greta thunberg's book there which had its own table I saw Michelle Obama's book there, which had its own table when you walk in. By the way, we outsold both of those books this week. And we outsold Greta Thunberg by 148%. I searched for a few minutes for yours and then decided to ask the desk for help. She said they had three copies in the store. It literally took over 20 minutes and four employees to find one copy hidden away in current affairs with other current affairs books that had been out for quite a while. I pressed about the other copies. I waited a little longer. First of all, Ricky, your your commitment to this man is righteous, brother. I love I mean, thank you. I wrote the damn thing. I wouldn't have hung out this long, <laughs> okay? Um, they finally found the other two in the back. I told them they had to do their best. I told them they had they had done their best to confirm conspiracy theories. Then uh, then I bought your book and walked out to a rear driver's side flat tire. Goodness gracious, man. Deborah, you know what? You were right. It is me. Good old Deborah. Goodness, Deborah's a prophet now. Well, her name is Deborah, isn't it? Ricky says, I'm not creative enough to make this stuff up. Hope you have better luck with your book than I did. Goodness gracious. Uh, gosh. Deborah, I'm sorry. Mr. Deborah's like she's gonna be a meme. She's gonna be a meme. No, Deborah, Deborah, Deborah is 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 a righteous dude and deserves a, a candlelit dinner tonight. Everything she said about me, Ricky can attest. It turned out to be true. I am, I am the Black Death. I am the voice that calls out from the void. Come hither. Indeed, I am a, I am a siren's song. I don't really even know what any of that means. Just thought it sounded good. Tremendous. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate that. <laughs> but I mean, goodness, what would you think if that had happened to you? You had that book in your hand, what would you do? Throw it in the sewer grate? I mean, what would you, th- I mean, seriously. That's a country song right there. There's not a dead dog. I think he's good. I just feel bad, Ricky, man. I am sorry. John in Kansas says, thank you very much recently for having Governor Lake on your program. My daughter, who lives in Phoenix, Carrie Lake, we're talking about the rightful governor of the once great state of Arizona. My daughter, who lives in Phoenix, is a recent graduate from Grand Canyon University, experienced the ballot fraud debacle. All right. Get ready, Todd. 
Her first attempt in having her ballot counted was rejected. After several attempts, the poll monitor informed her that she could leave her ballot in a box or fill out another ballot. I am proud to say that she said no to leaving the rejected ballot and instead would fill out another one. When questioned by the monitor for not leaving, ba- for not leaving that ballot, she said, I don't trust you. And then her second ballot went through. What do you think? Really? Yeah. Well, first, arrest Katie Hobbs, as you know. Mm-hmm. And always. To the last. Yes. But go ahead. Uh, again, add this to what we were talking about earlier on the show today. The, the, the way we've taken it. I've said, you know, with the groomers. Would any of us have accepted 10 years ago? If it gets this far, will Americans still be taking it? Of course not. Well, they are. All things COVID, they did this. This two elections in a row now, like you, it's gone so far beyond what you think can possibly be sustainable for anything resembling a democratic republic. I mean, this can't. There, we keep telling them, yes, please, do this again. There have been zero corrections or consequences. That should give people confidence. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I paused for a second. There. I, I know attempts have been made in certain states. But again, in, in, they handpick. They didn't, they, what, five, five major precincts to get the uh, presidential election. The biggest scalp they could find, Carrie Lake, in this election. Mm-hmm. It's, um, they're willing to be strategic about this and we just we just move on. I, I don't every part of the way I'm wired is like I I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I mean I get I get it spiritually, but my personal my personal makeup like saved or unsaved is like I, I, my my sins are elsewhere. Like how, how do you just keep taking it? They're just telling you to kneel. For everything. Mm-hmm. It's not just one issue. Everything. And you keep kneeling. I will say, though, in in Arizona, Carrie Lake's approach after the election is what Donald Trump's should have been after his, or after that 2020 debacle. Because it's gotten a lot further. I don't know where this will end up or if it has ended up, but it's gotten a lot further than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Any effort, any effort to prove this type of behavior at least makes the people perpetrating it think twice. Hmm. We'll come back. More of your feedback to wrap up a Feedback Friday when we do. Stay tuned. The Steve Day Show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, you know, Patriot Mobile offers you a performance guarantee. If you are not happy with your coverage, you can switch between any of the three major networks and do it for free because everybody, with a few exceptions, and you may live in one of the areas that's an exception, everybody pretty much has the same networks, and Patriot Mobile has access to everybody's networks, and now they give you the best of the best when it comes to nationwide coverage, get the same great service that you get anywhere else, but you'll get it uh, instead from a company and support a company that fights to preserve your God-given rights without 
actually trying to end them like every other mobile phone company. Uh, so go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Take advantage of their 100% U.S.-based customer service team that makes switching easy, and they'll give you a free activation with the offer code Steve at patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 878-PATRIOT, and when you, when you do, use the offer code Steve. All right, let's get back to some feedback Friday. Um, we've talked several times this week about what would be the critical mass moment for the jab. James Paul says the critical mass moment is the moment that Trump comes out and denounces the jab and calls for investigations into its failures. Now, I agree with this, which is one of the reasons why I have been saying for months on the show, we need his voice. And that's why I've been saying on this show as well, I don't hide anything from you guys if I can avoid it. Sometimes I can't avoid it because it would violate a confidence with a third party, okay? But in and as much as it doesn't do that, I'll be as brutally honest and transparent with you as I can. I think Ron DeSantis would be a better nominee and a better president at this stage. But that is my subjective opinion. I think I have valid reasons for it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have it. But it's also my opinion. It's subjective. That's not knowable at the moment because he's never been president, so we don't know. What I objectively, though, believe to be true is that stopping the jabs is the most important issue in the world right now and punishing those who did them. And so I would absolutely trade right now, right this minute, I'd make the trade. No hesitation. Trump comes to Jesus on the jab. I would trade that for a Ron DeSantis presidency. Without question, I would. We need his voice to end this evil. And here's why I think it would go to critical mass, guys. At least right now, Ron Johnson can't even get a hearing among his Republican colleagues. most of them either support or are afraid of Trump. Like I was told a couple of weeks ago that there's a lot of South Carolina Republicans that love the fact Nikki Haley's running for president. They know she has no shot to win, but they didn't want to have to support Trump and were concerned about facing his wrath if they supported DeSantis. And so now they just get to support Nikki Haley and not be a threat. You know what I'm trying to say? That that's, you're either in that camp or you are an ardent supporter, a J.D. Vance, a Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, a Lauren Boebert, a Matt Gates, people who uh, have been given huge career boosts by Trump. Trump coming to Jesus on the jab blows open the Overton window on the right. And yes, plenty on the left will now get more jabs just despite him. But right now, guys, the Overton window is slamming shut on our fingers on the right and the left. At least now, it's open in one direction. 
So I tend to agree with this to at least some degree. And maybe to the nth degree. But what do you gentlemen think? He's never going to do it. As I've said before. He thinks people came after him because vaccinating people saved so many people and made him invincible. And that's why they had to take him down. I, this is so obvious. To me. Like, I don't like, give me, give me one reason why we should be putting, this is fool's gold to even think that Donald Trump has the capacity to interest to even ponder this based on how he thinks and how he acts. That's a, I agree. That's a separate question. But if, if, if he went against the norm, and you're always the one telling me, like the weather, he goes against the norm. If he went against the norm and did what James Paul wrote here, do you agree that that would be a critical mass moment? I, no, I don't think what I said is he goes against the norm. I, th- I just say he's Donald Trump. He's quite predictable. In, in, he's going to have these highs, and we generally know around the stuff he has the highs around, and we know he has these lows, and we know the stuff they're around. And I don't see one reason to believe that this could amount to this high, which is why I just don't entertain it. I will gladly get out of the way and get on my knees when and if it happens. I don't waste a minute of thought on it because it's not. He believes he saved millions of people, and it was made him so infinitely undeniable as a candidate they had to lie and cheat and steal and do everything to take them down i believe we all understand is they did that for a hundred different reasons just and they will increasingly everybody is darth vader and hitler and they're going to try to do that to the next guy too he he believes that you just got done saying earlier on the show and you were so right about this is yeah you know his his um highs and his lows are kind of related to i mean he gets his ego Mm mm-hmm is, is, is fed by this. He's not going to put this down, and no one has ever given me a reason why. I don't, so I don't, I don't want to play this one if, what if. I, 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 you, you will, I will absolutely. Steve, you'll start off the show. We won't even have any lead-in music. When and if it happens, Todd, apologize. I will. But until then, there's not one reason for you to believe that he's ever going to do this. And you know I'm right. Aaron, you have thoughts? So he's predictably unpredictable, uh, Donald Trump. Like the part of him that's predictable is that he is unpredictable. That's what I would argue. This take I do not agree with, though. I I think a critical mass can only be had if he is um, available to have this foisted around his neck and going down with the ship. I think there are too many people, too many Americans even people who would never or have never voted for Donald Trump, who, even if they come to the conclusion, jabs, bad, mistake, even if they came to that conclusion implicitly or explicitly, need to have Donald Trump go down with the ship so that they can feel better about themselves. Need to have somebody go down with the ship so that they can feel better about themselves. I think it would be more likely that people would actually dig in more and try to gaslight themselves that they didn't have a heart attack or chest pains because of the jabs. That's, that's not why I'm having chest pains. If Donald Trump came out and said, hey, these jabs were a mistake. I think the chances of a watershed 
moment happening with the jabs exponentially higher if Donald Trump if Donald Trump stays on this path the current path that he's mm. on mm. okay uh, Eric says I'm not a theatrical release movie guy as an example the last movie I saw in theaters was American Sniper and then only because a, a theater grill opened down the street and someone would bring me a beer during the movie <laughs> fair enough respect value added uh, I did not mention Nefarious to my wife I just played the trailer for her the day it was released at the end she was already planning date night for the premiere day asking if I knew where it was playing and if we could buy advanced sale tickets April 14th cannot come fast enough I think we will you will shock the movie industry with what you have created well I, I pray and hope that you are correct Eric we are working our tails off right now these last uh, now 49 days to try to uh, put us in position to shock the system. You should be able to begin, I was told yesterday, you should be able to begin buying advanced tickets for Nefarious around March 31st. And that's also when we'll start um, publishing the list of theaters around the country that is uh, that are going to show the film. But uh, in the meantime, if you have a theater in your area, you want to make sure it will show it, best thing to do is to just call and make the request, or the next time you're there, see a movie. Ask the manager in person. It'll be on their log sheet as releasing on April the 14th. All right, so thank you, Eric, very much. Appreciate that. I want to say something along for all rated R concerns or people who don't normally see movies. Yesterday after the show, I was talking with my wife on the way home. And again, my, my wife, uh, this type of movie... Again, that Stephen, even I know your wife like. What well, the, the, set the Christianity part aside? But the how would you describe it? Uh, not flat out horror, psychological but thriller. Something you know. It's just horror is a better branding from a marketing standpoint. But, so we're going to go with that instead of psychological thriller. But yeah, no interest in seeing movies in that genre on a regular basis. None. Uh, went to see uh, the movie when uh, when we went over to Steve's house and watched it. Absolutely. Uh, loved it. Has now seen the trailer every time since we've had it. But so yesterday she, we're talking about the show, and she says, oh, "I, I saw you. Uh, it was going to be on another time." And she said, "Psychologically, I kind of checked out I, because I've seen the movie and I've seen the trailer multiple times now, and so uh, I, I was doing other things." I was kind of passively listening to it this time. And at the it just grabbed me. And and this is my wife saying it. She just said, I can't believe how good that trailer is. Hmm. So after multiple viewings, we've seen things, you know, several times. And you, you just, everybody's kind of got a been there, done that switch. You're like, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Can't wait to see the movie again. She just can't. The, the trailer, and that's too plus minutes or whatever it is that overwhelmed her again. So that's what I'm saying. This, all, whatever you think about, I'm this kind of movie viewer, like, please open up your heart, your mind, your soul, because it's, it, I'm not, my, my wife is it, better than, I, I obviously love this movie, but it, this, this is working on her in a way that she fully did not expect it would. That can be you too. Thank you very much. Very well said, brother. Appreciate it. Sue Ketchum says, as you were discussing the ramifications and conclusions after your guest appearance on the Tim Pool show earlier this week, I kept thinking about your utter rejection of the He Gets Us campaign. 
And you mentioned that we left the younger generations behind, but isn't that campaign an attempt to stop leaving them behind? And if evangelical Christian apologists despise and distance themselves from that effort, are we aligning with the churches that smugly leave them behind? This is a great question, Sue. Here's why I would answer no. The He Gets Us campaign doesn't offer any invitation to truth at all. If you go to the website, if you take another step, then they offer you Bible reading plans. But anybody who's been involved in any form of campaign can tell you the amount of people that will act on your action item compared to who will see your ad is there's always a chasm there. So the He Gets Us campaign instead attempts to diminish Jesus to just his one-time-only status as um, a boy uh, born into the meager means of a poor family in Galilee or in Nazareth. That happened one time. That wasn't who he was before. That's not who he is now. And that's not even fully who he was then. When we watch... Um, the the uh, Ricky Bobby, the ballad of uh, uh, or the ballad of Ricky Ricky yes. Bobby, and they pray to the baby Jesus. Yes. We all laugh, right? Mm-hmm. Why do we laugh? Well, because we know that's work, just it's uh, working on a couple levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's absolutely ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Why would you pray to the baby Jesus if you could pray to King Jesus? They don't, there's no invitation to truth. When I talked to Ian, I invited him to truth. First of all, Ian actually came with some concrete claims about Christianity. If you watch the He Gets Us campaign, there really aren't any concrete claims about Christianity. There's just concrete characterizations of the life of Christ, but not really concrete claims of Christianity. Lots of people know what it's like to be displaced doesn't mean they're God. Lots of people know what it's like to be in a family dispute. Doesn't mean they're God. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, 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 those things are all common. I'm, I'm guessing Muhammad had some family disputes. Muhammad was displaced multiple times. He was actually saved by a group of Christians. Otherwise, the, the, the Meccans were going to kill him before his ministry ever truly got started. In a great, cruel twist of irony, historically. The reason to talk about Jesus, the primary reason, is to not talk about the brief moment in all of eternity that he was imbued with humanity, but to talk about him, the main reason to talk about him is that he's king for all of eternity. That's never contemplated, it's never discussed, it's never proposed in the He Gets Us campaign. If we're going to talk about the most important being in the universe, and we only have 30 seconds to do it, man, maybe we should talk about the most important thing that makes him the most important being in the universe. Fair? That's all I'm suggesting. Yeah. We need to If we were getting this right, this would be a retelling of what you've hopefully heard before. He must increase, we must decrease. But I can't help but thinking with the he gets us. The two letters, H-E, he, 
is lowercase and in almost invisible ink. And the us is in all caps and borderline rainbow colors. Mm-hmm. And that's where my gut is on this. We've seen that before too. And it's a mess. It just is. They don't need a buddy, man. We tried this. We put pastors in Hawaiian shirts. They don't need a buddy. You need a Lord. They need a Lord. Not a buddy. A Lord. They're looking for answers. They need a Lord. We don't worship the refugee, Jesus Christ. We worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the maker of heaven and earth, the ruler of creation. That's what they need. Give them that. Have a great weekend, John 317.